and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father and I as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and values inspired by the weekly Torah portion. Our goal is to open our discussion to you in the hopes that it will give you something to think and reflect on, as well as be another interesting conversation that you can have with your family, friends, and peers. So let's delve right in. We are back for another wonderful conversation, and we are going to be talking about faith. So what what aspect are we talking about, about faith, or is it faith in general, Pesach faith? Ha ha, that was a good pun. Thank you. So well, I, I think for this session, I used, I worked for... A long time on a series of classes having to do with Amuna, what we call faith, in relation to the holiday of Passover. Because the holiday of Pesach is very much related to faith. And there's a lot of things to unpack. But I think if we just have start an open conversation, I think we'll get to a place that I'll be happy with, at least for this for this for this pod mm-hmm. okay. because I think I think we'll, if we unpack a little bit just talking about what faith is I think we'll get to a place where I think is essential so let's start with a few questions so what do we use the word to have faith in let's say if I said oh I have faith in my car it's clearly different if I say I have faith in my car versus I have faith in my wife. And mm-hmm. it's certain that might also be different when you say I have faith in a particular process um, or I have faith that my employee will do this, this, that, and the other well. In other words, faith could be with towards certain thing, a certain process, if a person says, I have faith in God, that's a quantum leap because um, there we automatically assume having faith in God means everything about God. It's interesting, though, because until you said God, I think that you could pretty much sum up faith around the same way, meaning it's it's like a leaning into slash confidence slash belief in. So if you refer to it as a car, it's like you believe that the car's going to take you, you need to go, it's not going to break down, It'll you know you can trust that the car will work if it's an employee or a wife you trust that they will stick to the proper conduct of the role that they're in Mm -hmm. um and yet when we say you have faith in god it becomes so much more than that because all of the other things i guess in this in the you know material world it all it's all provable somewhat meaning if the car doesn't break down demonstrable yeah if the car doesn't break down then you can it's trustworthy it's a trustworthy car if um, a wife stays faithful to her husband, then she is a faithful wife. If a employee does his job and, and put, gives in all the paperwork on time and is responsible, then he is someone that you can have faith in your workers. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to God, we don't understand God and we don't know God. And things happen and yet we attribute the good and the bad to God. And there's no really way to prove that your faith is quote unquote paying off. Meaning life happens and, and you believe in God and you believe that there is 
a deeper purpose to things, a deeper meaning, things that we don't understand just because I don't like right. it or appreciate it or it's hard for me means that it's that God's been quote unquote unfaithful, but there's no way to back it up. So it's it's so much more of a leap. Right. And also, when we say we um, believe in God, it's very hard to imagine believing in God in certain things and in other things not. Mm-hmm. In other words, if, I, if a person would say, you know, I have full trust in God that he is going to help me, but I don't have full trust in God that he's going to destroy my enemies or that he's going to prevent my enemies from, from harming me. But wouldn't... Or I don't... I think God is, is good for certain things, but he's not good for other things. Or I just don't... You know what I'm saying? I, I don't have faith in him and I don't really trust him in other areas. You don't... It, that's automatically assumed that the person just doesn't believe in God because the concept of God is all-inclusive. It's, it's that he's everything. Right, I was going to say, you can't start dividing into what you have faith and what you don't have faith in with so God. So that's what makes faith that's... different when it comes to God, along with the point that you're saying, that uh, faith in God is not demonstrable. In other words, what you, how, how, if faith has to do with the results of your faith, or being able to prove that my faith is... Um, worthwhile or sensible then it's very different because you can't prove that it's it's that it's working for you i mean maybe you can prove that it's working for you but you can't prove that what you're faithful in is actually happening it's it's subjective basically which is which is which also begs the question of does being faithful in god mean i'm being faithful in god in order to be able to, not in order, but I'm being faithful about certain processes. In other words, does faith mean I'm being faithful uh, in, the, in the sense that I expect to see certain things? If I can't see them, then I won't be faithful anymore. So if I have an employee, I'm, I, rest, I, I rest assured in his ability to do the things that I'm asking him to do. And I don't even think about it anymore because I completely trust him. It doesn't take up my brain space anymore. It doesn't take up my concern. I don't worry about it because the things that he needs to do will be done. In the moment that they're not done, then you lose faith in him mm -hmm. to a certain degree. Right. He can say, well, I couldn't, I shouldn't, whatever, you know, but, you know, unless some force of my yard, you're going to say, well, I guess he's not as reliable as I thought. Force of my meaning higher, higher power, bigger power for no, those force, who don't speak Spanish. No, unless he was, unless he was carried away <laughs> by a hurricane, you know, he was carried away by a hurricane and uh, he just couldn't do his task. Force Mayor, it's it's used in insurance. In yeah, it's, oh. they say force majeure or something like that. Latin. But yeah, it basically means like onus. It means a complete accident, something beyond your, completely beyond your ability control. to to, con, to control. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, faith is generally speaking, very much, and this is a very important point. And that's why I knew we were going to get to the an important point right away. I just I just think as soon as you touch this issue, you just 
just a small analysis of it always brings you to a higher awareness. And that is that faith, <clears throat> in the sense that it means I trust myself, really. <laughs> because I trust my own ability to understand that what you can do and what you're worth is this. And the minute that I don't see it happening, then I don't have faith in you because I don't understand why you're not doing what I think you should be doing. Meaning the minute my expectations of a person or thing aren't met, then I no longer have faith in that person it's based big. on what I see and what I understand about that person compared to the expectations that I have. Right. So basically what we've gotten to right now, this is step one, is that faith, if it's self-serving, is not really faith. It's... Um, it's... I don't even know what it is. It's uh, just like it's accountability. Accountability, you can say? yeah. It's, it's reliability on someone else or something else. Or it's, mm -hmm. This thing is reliable because I've already envisioned what it is that you can expect from this, and therefore, since I grasp it, so I can expect it, and since I have no reason to assume that it's not going to happen, when I walk into my car, I have no reason to assume it's not going to turn on. And I have no reason to assume that it's going to break down on the way to wherever I'm going. So I have complete trust and faith in my car that it's going to do what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I don't think about it. I don't stress about it. And if I do, there's probably I should probably go see somebody, you know, professionally. Because then you're going to get nervous about everything that goes on around you. Like the ecosystem or the oxygen in the air or a million or your heartbeat or anything else that happens that you just have faith that it's going to keep going and happen and continue serving you for what you need. Mm -hmm. And in the minute that it breaks down, then you lose faith. So that's not really faith, that, right? That's not the faith that we're talking about. So I guess you could say that the, the faith that we have in things that are not God are <clears throat> subjective, meaning they're, they're judged by me, by a person, and we, we compare them to the, to the expectation that we have. And it seems like you're going that the faith that we're going to have in God is, is well, well, let's forget, objective. Let's, but let's leave, leave God out for a second. Okay. And let's, let's talk about people for a minute. So, so what I think the next step that we're going to have to say is that if, if that's the case, if faith is a value, it means to be faithful is to be faithful and trustful of someone else, let's say, who is at times not doing necessarily what you would have expected them to do i think that's the whole concept of of judging people favorably okay well, wait one second but that that's jumping somewhere like, yes but just first hear that point because that's not because that's a, a, in other words <clears throat> at, what we refer to by faith is connecting to another person in a way that you will be able to get over what that person does or does not perform for you because there's something greater about that person that you believe in that's, that's greater than his performance. Meaning if you were to take it in the case of the worker, 
because you have faith in the worker, whether the work is in at the end of the week or not, you are going to trust that there, if the work isn't there, there is something beyond your understanding that would excuse the fact that it's not there and you will continue to believe in the work and you'll continue to give him work to do and you'll continue to give him responsibilities because the fact that he didn't have his work in on time that week isn't going to be what's going to make or break your belief and trust in that person. Right, so... <clears throat> so in that particular case, it's easier to see what we're talking about because your relationship to your the person who works for you is built about around some functionality, right? In other words, things need to happen in the office, right? So th there is this kind of contractual relationship, like I pay you, you do this. I trust you. I have faith in you, right? Now, when, if a person is saying that they have faith in them, that means that there's already implicit that there's some level of difficulty there that will inspire you to say, I have faith in you, right? In other words, I'm almost like handing over something to you that, like I say, wow, I really don't want to do that myself. I have faith that you can do it. Right? It's already something that's a little bit out of my hands. But since I know you and I know you do it well and I've seen you do it a hundred times and I know you do it in other companies and I know that you're good at it and I know you're smart, and I have no reason to not have faith in you. Okay, and the moment that he doesn't have faith, in other words, in the moment that the person doesn't perform, the person does not come back with the stuff that I expected him to do. Right? That I was completely uh, at ease about. I was completely at ease. I went on a vacation. I left to work with you. I come back. It's not done. Okay, boom. Now, why, how is that person going to not suffer the boom? Right. How is the person? That person is the meaning the, employer, the, the boss. How is the employer not going to look at the at the employee and say, "I don't trust you anymore. I don't, I don't have faith in you anymore." He's going to have to. The, the employer is going to have to have faith in a greater thing be, that goes beyond that particular thing that the person wanted that the employer wanted to be done. So, for example, he'll say to himself, "I have faith." in my relationship with this guy. I was going to say, you can, uh, something higher than that thing could be the relationship, the, the trust, the, the way of a person. Right. I have, I have faith in human beings. Um, you know, I have faith even in the importance of being kind and forgiving and, and patient with people, mm -hmm. which is, I have faith in that value. Right, so I'm not going to come down hard on this guy that he made a mistake and he didn't do what I asked him to do, even though I, I was faithful that he was going to complete the job. But now that he didn't, my faith will have to transcend the thing that I really wanted to happen. Mm -hmm. So if you follow the line, in other words, in our vernacular, what we it seems to be that faith already at a very simple, basic level, always means something that transcends to a certain degree you and your desires, your immediate desires, and your immediate expectations. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's right. kind of simple, but it's, it's nice, I think, when you just break it down that way. Mm -hmm. to, just to say that I have faith in my car, I have no reason to believe that the car is not going to work. It's not really faith. That's not what we're referring to when we say faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Faith is only faith when it's challenged by something. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So. So if we so if we go to. 
um, a relationship, like that's a, that's a more encompassing relationship. Let's say a husband and a wife, a father, a da daughter, parent, whatever. Then there are expectations in the relationship, right? Parents want to be respected. Children want to be respected. Children want love. Parents want love. Spouses want attention. They want intimacy they want there's a lot of expectations right and for some the, the 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 basics of the relationship are even though they know perfectly well that not everybody can be everything to everyone right so they know that for me or for you the relationship is based on this these are the most important things and and if you're dealing with a good relationship especially between spouses those things are normally communicated one way or another or perceived, hopefully communicated, you know, outwardly so that there's it's clear so that there's not unreal expectations about what you can be faithful in. Right. I, uh, two, two, um, two individuals who are married, it, it, you know, it, it's it's not um, if, if one of them, you know, has expectations that they're going to be. Uh, lavishly supported, you know, because that's very important that they have a certain amount of money, right? So that's might be an unrealistic expectation because you can't always expect something that is not in the control of the other person to do, mm -hmm. right? Um, then, you know, so 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 that's not a realistic expectation but the and to the extent that they can offer each other and support each other and that it's understood that I can trust you that you can offer this amount of love you you can convey your feelings about this and this and that you can be there for me to you can uh, um, right do all those things so I learned to expect it, and then I have faith that you will actually be there in that way for me. Mm -hmm. Even when you're not there. That's the point. Because I see that you are a kind person. So if you're a kind person, that makes me have faith in your kindness. So if I really see you as what you are, essentially, I'll have faith in your kindness, even though what I see in front of me is not happening in the way I want it to happen. I feel perhaps at a moment that you're not being kind to me. But I transcend that particular moment in time of that you're not being kind. And I say, you are kind, mm -hmm. essentially. Okay. Are you here? Yeah. So, so, the, so the essence of relationship is faith, really. Because if we wouldn't be faithful with each other, then we would be people that are then we will be individuals or people that are expecting what we want to happen all the time right and we'd be constantly leaving relationships that disappoint and no relationship would truly be lasting because people always mess up and no one is constantly anything right um people always have downfalls right. but so, you're saying the trust comes in and the faith comes in to the bigger picture of at the moment you're not being kind but i know that you are generally a kind person yeah or I can essentially trust that. i like the word essentially essentially better. okay in other words, you want to be kind i've seen it in you i've i've gotten to a point where i can feel that that's the way you are see i see it 
I, it, it takes a certain amount of of curiosity, of course, in the in the at the outset, but then also insightfulness and and probing and experience with another person to really feel that the other person is that way. Not everything, like like we said, not everybody is everything. You Mm -hmm. can't be everything, especially to everyone, right? So there are certain things that characterize you more than others. And if I see that you are a kind person, I've seen it exhibited. I've seen how you treat other people. I've seen your considerateness. I've seen how sensitive you are. So if I see in one moment or one lapse that you're not sensitive, so then I'll have to say to myself, well, I guess something, you know, overcame this, this, you know, my partner. And that's why, you know, but normally this person will, you know, my partner will generally exhibit, you know, opposite things, things that are, that are kind, that are patient, that are sensitive. Mm -hmm. So that's a faith. I'm, I, I, can I prove it? Can I prove it that the next time they won't um, do things in a way that are very upsetting? No, I can't prove it. Maybe they'll do it again. But my relationship is, is maintained on the fact that I'm seeing beyond what, what's going on. I'm looking at you as a whole and I'm saying that that goodness is in you. It's there. It just doesn't always manifest itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So if you're so if you're if you're with that, so then so then to make to 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 take that next jump to faith in God isn't so hard, right? Because we had two difficulties in faith in God. First of all, the faith in God is not something that's demonstrable, right? Right. And also, the faith in God is all encompassing. So it's all encompassing. So you can't even divide it in any way because as soon as you divide it, so then. You know, it kind of we we have this feeling of like, well, then then you don't understand what God is really. Mm-hmm. So then, come philosophical or theological problems start popping up, right? But let's leave that second issue on the side because that's a little bit more difficult, right? I believe in God in certain things, like believe in God in certain things and not other things, is like a picture of my mind is like Noah. Like Noah is a hundred percent convinced that God is. A God of kindness, right? So even though God communicated to him that he's going to destroy the world, he doesn't really believe it. Hmm. That's what an interesting thing that our tradition, the Chazal, point out, that he needed to be pushed into the table because he really didn't believe that even though God kind of told him he was going to do it, but he didn't really think he was going to do it. So like to be able to hold contradictory ideas, at least in his mind, and instead of getting to that faith, the higher faith of like, uh, I suspend my judgment with regards to God because my understanding of God is going to have to transcend the way I understand the contradiction between destroying a world and still being full of kindness, right? That's when it starts start short-circuiting. So it could seemingly short-circuit in all of our minds too when we have limits about what we understand about God. So then we're going to start picking and choosing those things about God that we like or we don't like or we're really into or we're not into, mm-hmm. right? But, but let's just leave that on the side for a second. The first point is now we can move into understanding of what it means to believe in God, to have emuna in God, a faith in God, that's, that's somewhat understandable, 
because it's true, it's not demonstrable. But all of the faith in God will have to do with what we understand about God. Just like I'll have faith in my partner and my wife and in a husband or whoever it is, or in my children, because I understand what they are essentially. The more I know them, the more I can reveal the truth of what they are, let's say to me, the more I can have faith in them. Because I have faith in those things that I have faith in that are good. So if I have faith in the essential value of, of kindness and truth and mercy and generosity and sensitivity, etc., and I see that the person who I'm relating to possesses those things, essentially possesses those things, they'll have lapses or whatever it is, but I essentially believe that this person in front of me is, is that. But you're also saying, without really saying it specifically you're saying that the more you understand and get to know a person or maybe you could also say god the more you you we try to understand and go deeper into who god is and what he is and, and the attributes of mercy and, and how we emulate god then the more faith we can have in them right it's kind of like the other way around really if you, if you take like a more of a rambam position um I don't know if I should jump to that right now, but but you have to understand that there's a certain in 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 our idea of con, a concept of true of uh, faith. There's truth, and Muna has to do with a a moon, which is a truth, right? So, so for example, the first mitzvah of the Sarata de Brot of the Ten Commandments is what? So, right. So a lot of people say it's to believe in God, right? And the Rambam will say, that's not where we start. That's not the, it, it's good to believe in God, but you can't command it, right? You can't command to believe in God because you either believe or you don't. It's like a feeling. So the first mitzvah is I, to know that God took us out of Egypt. One second. So, but just get that first. So you can't, mm-hmm. you can't command belief, right? Because, because if I, if, like, the Rambam, like the Rambam says, if I tell the person to believe and they don't believe, what are they supposed to do about it? And if they already believe, so then I don't need to command them. Mm-hmm. You understand? So, so essentially the Ramam says is what, what is like what we're trying to explain over here is that what needs to be done in order to believe, which is the ultimate goal, is that you need to know what God is. You have to have a consciousness of God, mm-hmm. right? At some level in order to believe in him because of exactly what we're saying there is no such thing as belief if you have no idea what it is that you're believing if you think you're believing in something that you don't know what it is you're really believing in yourself right it's like it's like let's say i, I take a lot of my money and i invest it on the on the stock market i don't know a thing about stocks or about the markets nothing mm-hmm. but i believe that i'm gonna what are you believing in you're believing that you're gonna put I, your money in the right place i believe that i'm awesome and that things go well for me and that, mm-hmm. and that I, I believe that if my history and my uh, way of, 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 of uh, being fortunate until now in my life is so convincing to me that I'm just willing to just do something so risky like that, that means I really just believe in myself, right. which is really believing in nothing because there's absolutely no reason to believe that this is actually going to happen if you know anything about whatever, mm-hmm. about the markets, right? But people do that all the time. What is gambling? People just gamble. They, they really don't have strategies that is going to make it, that, you, that can, can 
really rationally give them an expectation that they're going to get what they expect. But people expect things all the time. Right. So, so the same thing with God. It's, it, it can't be a fictitious belief in God according to our belief. It has to be based on something. You have to base it on some knowledge of some knowing of what it is you're believing in. Mm-hmm. So, so essentially, the more you get to know God, the more consciousness you have of God, the more you can believe. Right. Just mm-hmm. like we said before, like if I know my partner, my wife, my this, my that, is essentially kind. I, it's, I, I'm clear that she's essentially kind. She's essentially good. She's you know sensitive. She's essential, right? So those things I, so I don't know necessarily that she's essentially an executive uh, producer of uh, you know efficient and all those things that need to be an executive, right? I don't know those things. So I won't have faith in those things, but that won't affect my relationship because my relationship is based on other things. Now, when it comes to God, obviously it's going to be hard, and this gets into our second point. What are those things that you can know about God that you can say, I believe in them? Right? Mm-hmm. And that's where we get to the hard part because the, the philosophical, the theological hard part, because is it, can you know everything about God that needs to be known? Because God is everything, ultimately. right? So you, can you know... Can you just go, well, God is everything, so whatever it is about him, I believe. I have faith in it. You yeah. could, but I don't know there's how far that will get somewhere. But this begs this question of like, we're, in order to feel that way, what has to happen that you can, that you can somehow say, I, 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 period. Whatever it is. So, so I, I think just, just for now, I think what we need to see is like take some examples of like what's going on in this, in this reading and this day of, uh, that we're going into, the Pesach, um, which shows us that there's two things, that, there's, uh, that you can't know God completely, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right? But, but if the idea of knowing God is to believe in Him, you can know Him enough to believe in Him completely. Right? Now, how do you short-circuit that? In other words, how do you quick... Um, how do you believe in something you don't fully understand? Right. In, in other words, so, the, so you're going to say, well, how does it impact you? In other words, it's going to be, become subjective. Right? Because objectively, we're, we're, we're lost. But subjectively, then you're going to have two things happening. You're going to have either, like what it says before they, uh, <clears throat> it says, you know, before, before they cross, before they sing the song of the crossing of the, of the Yamsuf, of the sea, it says, Hashem, they feared God, Hashem, and they believed in God, and Moshe Abdo, and his servant Moshe. Right, so you have those two elements, Bayiru, which is fear, but literally it means awareness. They had an awareness of God. So before their awareness of God, they believe able to believe in God. Then they believed in God. In other words, it's based on an awareness. Mm-hmm. Now, what was that awareness? Where did it, where was it born out of? It was born out of being saved, miraculously. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. One thing is when your judgment or your very often it's as human beings our rational judgment is suspended when we feel 
Um, when we feel, period. Yeah, <laughs> when we feel. But when do we start feeling? When we feel that that rush of like, like me mavet like we were saved. A person feels saved if a person is really in dire straits and you know super distressed, uh, super. In, in in danger or whatever it is and all of a sudden and like the, and things look really really bad and all of a sudden like wow amazing that creates that can create an awareness of like how what it, that awareness is basically saying how vulnerable and weak i am as a human being that i could be tossed potentially to to the winds of fate Right and be destroyed, and then all of a sudden become saved, and be, and 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 jump back into life, and and hopefully un, hopefully unscathed. And then that feeling of of like. So what is that really? How does that produce a knowledge? How does that produce like a, a knowing? Because it's experience, and experience always but feels experience true. What? That's the question to the person experiencing it. But what is it? What is it? A knowledge of what? Like. So we've said that it's from from subjectively from the person. The person feels like, okay, I'm not in control. I'm not in control of things. And then and then here I am, and you just feel that bless the blessing of of feeling like, wow, I have everything again, right? So so ideally, that person should feel like, okay, it's not me, and now I have it. So that should lead or could lead a person to saying this is a higher power. There must be this is a higher power mm-hmm. out here. Right. Which I think in general are always the the way, this, you know, a lot of the stories that we hear of people who either find faith or, or convert to a certain religion usually come from these life and death or um, redemption stories where people feel this um, higher power kind of experience where they feel totally helpless and then suddenly they were have-nots and now they have. Right. So the pitfalls with that is that we, we know that we, I mean, that could lead to people saying all kinds of things all the time and, and it kind of gives you this cheap feeling of like, well, I was crossing the street and then I flew up in the air. Like, okay, yeah. You know, maybe you feel you feel like really fortunate right now, which is good. And that gives you like this God feeling, mm-hmm. right? But somehow we always have this like tinge of, I don't know, no, I can't speak for everyone, of course, but for myself, it's always like when you hear it in day-to-day conversation, it kind of feels a little cheap. Mm-hmm. Because are you really discovering God, or you just feel good? Like, or does it matter? It, we we had spoken about this last time. I think we said that it was more. I think it makes sense to say it's an attitude, more than whether it, you're experiencing God or not. I'm saying you could be someone with God consciousness that therefore feels like they experience God on the regular, or you can be someone who is not so um, has a different perspective or a different attitude towards God and His involvement in the world, and therefore you're not going to say that this. You know, whatever it is that you experience was right. necessarily God, but you would like to believe that it is, you would like to feel, you would like to attribute it. Um, but it's it's like this attitude, mindset, and like uh, desire for connection. I think that brings people to these more everyday feelings, which is like you're right. saying, it's, it's subjective though. Right. So how do we... So if we want to go further than that, right? So I think in, there's two more great ingredients in this reading that we're going to read tomorrow, which is, Vayaminu Bashem Vumosha Avdo, right? So... First of all, there are Midrashim that say that there was another aspect going on over here. It wasn't just a saving, it was also a 
um, a relinquishing of control. There was a there was a heroic act that we call Masirat Nefesh. The fact that the people were able to relinquish their feeling of control, like oh, this doesn't make sense, like I don't know, they they um, deliberately suspended, or they were at least guided to suspend what they would be thinking about what's the best thing to do. They had a lot of discourse there about what to do, what's better, maybe we should go back, maybe we should pray, maybe we should this, maybe we should that, that. And in the end, we're given this impression is that like they finally subdued or they submitted themselves to like their fate, so to speak, which is they followed God, right? Now, that following of God wasn't done alone, it was done through a leader, Right, so the leader was being mechaven them. He was he was uh, orienting them in a way so that they could funnel all their nervous energy into a relinquishing of all of it and a kind of a accepting their total vulnerability and just doing what they're being told to do, which is advance, go into the water, walk in the water, just keep going, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not something they would have done perhaps on their own, but... Maybe some would, some wouldn't, but certainly the ingredient of Moshe is very important in the sense that that's why the, the belief in Bayaminu Hashem of Moshe Avdo, they believe that Moshe is the one who's leading them in this direction to be able to finally relinquish their feeling of control and say, okay, we're giving up all of the control to God. Mm-hmm. So it takes that kind of a coming towards, right? And then a being saved. And those are, those are the aspects that we see over here that make it, I think, much more authentic. As if a person is not doing anything particular, he's not necessarily, you know, and he just like falls out of a plane and then he falls into a tree. And so, okay, he can feel blessed and he can feel miraculously saved and maybe retroactively he can feel like vulnerable and all that stuff. But he didn't do it consciously at the moment. He wasn't... He wasn't an active right. faith it wasn't like on a plane and going like I'm consciously giving my whole life to God, you know, because I, I realize how how nothing we are. We don't control so many things about our life on practically everything. So that Mesiras Nefesh, right, is also something that characterizes us as a Jewish people, starting from Avram Avinu for sure, right? Avram Avinu does this act of like obeying Hashem, even though there's a million things in his mind that are saying that this is not something I want to do. I don't think this is wise. I think this is anti-God. It's cruel. It's everything. right. So there are also ideas there that lead us to believe that they're connected to, to this thing. This kind of like um, willingness, conscious willingness. You know, there's a, a willingness that's, that's being done, you know, with kavana, with a real intention. Intention. To, to relinquish, right? To relinquish to God, right? And, and that, that creates an amuna in the sense that even though you don't know everything about God, but there's, there's two things you know. One thing is that you're not in control of everything. And the other thing is that there's something out, there is a supreme being that, that runs the show. So even if there's things that you don't understand about what it is that you believe, but those personal subjective experiences can create a muna that are it's very strong. That is very strong. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's almost as if it, it almost makes you wonder: Can we ever get to the other amuna? 
and the other amuna of like based on more and more understanding and knowledge and comprehension of God is something that takes a lifetime. That's what you have to work on. Is you learn this and you learn that about God and you learn how God basically does not work or does work. And uh, the essence, of, you know, and, but if you had to take a, like a, a poll of, of, you know, the believers of history, you would say that most the majority of the people that are doing are believing in Hashem is that emuna pshuta, right? They're just believing. They believe. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still a little bit fuzzy though on on the the emino Moshe abdo kind of like what what does that add to faith in God? So so that's what I'm saying. I think it's a very problematic pasuk because you norm, we normally, it's the only pasuk in the Torah that puts Moshe and Hashem together. And we're very careful about that. Right? It's almost, it's very, it can be mistakenly believed that we're believing in Moshe. But we don't believe mm-hmm. in Moshe like we believe in God. But I think that the only reason why that was said, right, this is a very big issue. You know, mm-hmm. saying this is not, you know, in other religions, they don't have that sensitivity. They'll say Muhammad and the prophet and God in one sentence. We never do that. Mm-hmm. This is the only place in the in, anywhere, and the reason is is because I think that the people were at a very basic level of emuna, a ba- very basic level, and if you think about all the, you know, on a very rational level of all the miracles, what we call miracles in the Torah, I mean, you're dealing with an entire population that, according to the Torah itself, is viewing, observing all of these things going on, right? And it doesn't seem to be slaying everybody in the aisles towards the belief in God. I mean, you have the Egyptians that are willing to still f- chase after the Jewish people straight into the ocean or whatever it was. It's a pool of uh, the Yamsuf, whatever, however deep it was, whatever. The point is they're, they're not really shaken that much, even though it says that there was an intervention, that God hardened their thing or whatever. But that's because I think even if it's you see it as a natural phenomenon, but you say like, oh, okay, what are the odds? You know, like, okay, you start like, playing in your mind, so you have to get strong. But if you really see the things that are going on in Egypt and you have a way to explain it, as it's like, okay, it's freaky. Okay, this whole dark thing is freaky. Okay, the locusts are freaky. There's a plague. It's freaky. All this stuff is going on like one month after the other. It's like the worst time Egypt has ever seen. But does that mean, you know, how mm-hmm. many times have you heard that, right? In other things, like, okay, this happened, this happened. Okay, but does that mean that, like, well, what? We should believe in all... Everything omnipotent God, I'm gonna to have to believe that, <clears throat> right? So, so you see that they were. So, what made it different for the Jewish people or anyone that was willing to look at it? I think the only thing that really made it different was that you had an orchestra, an orchestrator, you had a malchin, you had a com- the composer, the leader, you had the director of the, of the orchestra, and that was Moshe. And, and it's different if there's all of a sudden this wacky plague, right? As opposed to if somebody goes, okay, tomorrow <laughs> at 12 o'clock, this is what's going to happen. Right. And then he says, you want it to stop? I'll make it stop. You know, and then it stops. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a person who's like everybody, of course, he's drawing everybody's attention because he's, the one, he's running the show. It seems to be he's, you could almost focus on him and think that it's him, mm-hmm. that he's a great magician. But he himself is saying all the time, it's not me, it's, I'm just... Mm-hmm. Right. That does that does make more sense. I don't think we have time to go into this, but I'm curious then if if that really is the case, then then how come Paro wouldn't 
believe as well. I'm saying he's being exposed to Moshe as much as the Jewish people are. And he's also saying, Moshe's coming and saying, tomorrow at 12, there's going to be a plague. And then if you want to stop, I'll stop. And then, so like, what's the difference there? But I think that's maybe right. just so the that's, point of... It, there's always going to be a room for choice. And, but I think that that's why Moshe is put, thrown into the recipe here. Because he was really bringing the people to a faith but he was bringing the people to a faith that was based on something. It wasn't just like, oh, uh, um, we're you know we're in deep trouble. Oh, and now we're saved. You know, right. it's that like it's orchestrated. He's telling you this is going to happen, and then, and this is the God. He gives he teaches them the names of God a little bit. You know, he teaches them something about God, a little theology. This is the God of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and this is what he told said, and there's a promise, and he's a and there's prophecy, and then he's communicating to you, and then there's the mitzvah, and then, to, you know, God's presence in the world is something that you can help spread. Whatever, you know, in between the lines certainly are being told. So after all these things are said, maybe they're like so battered around, or maybe they're not all of them in the best conditions to actually, to actually like, you know, concretize this stuff in their minds so that it becomes so much a reality until bam, until they like really, really feel like, this is Armageddon or salvation. Like we're all going to die here or, you know, and here we are miraculously alive. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, as we're saying this, I'm starting to also think about, um, I think people who also um, go into religion sometimes often fo- go into religion because they, they know someone who's deeply religious or deeply pious or deeply faithful and, be- and they base their faith initially on the faith of that person, meaning if it weren't for, you know, so-and-so, I wouldn't believe in God, but he's such a rational person and he thinks, I can't imagine someone like him would believe in something that isn't true. There's that. And I wanted to get to a different point also that that I think that faith in and of itself, what it does for you, which is not really the issue today, but I think the person, the, the man of faith, the person of faith, who is a real Mbalamuna is like the is like that nirvana state that we all want to get to, where we always talk about you know nirvana you know we always like s- skirt around the issue a little bit but it's it's that state where you just have that perfect blend of going with the flow, you know you're not ease yeah because you don't have that you never get upset. You never, you never, you know, never knocked off your, your way of being. I think that's what people ultimately um, are a little bit jealous of a real faith community. Because a faith community is a community where people transcend the, 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 the things of life that will always let you down. And, and the regular people who don't have faith, they just have to find other coping mechanisms to deal with the difficulties of life. You know, your boyfriend let you down. He messed you around. You got a job, but then they fired you. But then this, but then you, you got robbed. But then, you know, and then the, the government. And then all the things that you could read in the, that's out there, that's bad, that's this. And you have no way of contextualizing any of that stuff because you don't really believe in anything. Right. And then they see these faith communities that are like constantly connecting because ultimately faith is the to connect to something beyond what it is that you're seeing that's not working for you. 
Mm-hmm. Just like in any relationship. It should be that in faith communities, relationships work better, too. Because you've, you've sharpened or you've strengthened those muscles that allow you to not get stuck in the stuff that you want to happen. And instead, see, instead saying to yourself, you know, I have faith in, that, in this person that's letting me down now, that essentially this person is good. Right? Because it's not about you. Faith is like, how do you leave yourself behind and have faith into something, and munah, into something that's greater than you? Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to establish here. Right. right so I guess maybe like, let's, what would you say would be like the take home for this last Yom Tov, like day of Pesach? Like, how can we bring this understanding or this concept well how colloquial how colloquial do you want to get i mean because there's a lot of that's spoken about like you know there's two uh there's two sayings in in our chazal in our tradition that says that it's hard there's two things that are hard to, to god so to speak to do just like the splitting of the sea right it's hard to um get people together to get married and it's hard to um it's hard to uh, provide it's hard to provide people with uh sustenance it's hard to provide parnasa for people that one i never heard of yeah it's less known and i think what what the chazal are trying to say there in uh, in short is that the difficulty of splitting a sea is that it's it's really of all the miracles, arguably. <clears throat> it's one of the most um, non-natural miracles. Other things you can kind of explain, you know, hail and weird and hail and fire. Okay, but if people saw that it was fire and hail, I don't know. You know, maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was some crazy, maybe it was like a, volcano at the same time that it was snowing and <laughs> it was volcano ash and like fire and water and who knows we don't know i'm saying you can think of things like that but you don't have tremendous bodies of water just stopping in the middle of nowhere you know and splitting so arguably it's very god hides himself according to the way we understand god in nature he created nature and, and he doesn't want to be not natural he wants the world to run a natural course that's why he created it that way if he wanted it to constantly to be starting and stopping then he wouldn't be god then he would be a bad you know computer programmer but he did it in a way that it should be this way and it goes through cycles and it has things and it has that right and you're going to tell me that you know seas stop and then they just split it's it's wild so god didn't want that so to speak so it's difficult when when the when it's used this, this idea that for something, for, for God, it's difficult is because the difficulty is that the, the, the purpose of the creation was, would be that it should run, flow naturally, completely. Mm-hmm. And if there's this open miracle, it's like, a, it's a difficulty. It's like it has to, has to fit that into the scheme of things of how God wants the world to run. Mm-hmm. Right? So the other thing that's most difficult for God is that God wanted people to choose. And he didn't want to inter- interfere into their choice, right? So really, how do you get people to, to, to find each other if they're choosing, right? How could, you know, but yet we have this thing like it's so important when, when people get together that there needs to be some kind of a special touch there. 
you know, so it's difficult for God to bring people together because it's kind of telling you that there's a necessity for God to be involved, but he doesn't want to get involved because people are choosing, just like they're choosing their business. So if a guy's really good at whatever it is, but he could be making bad decisions one after the other, and it's like God's like, so to speak, like, I'm trying to help this guy, but he's like making bad decisions. So to, to sustain him is difficult in a sense because these things are, are things that are full of making decisions. Mm. So you asked why I bring that up, because to take home is that in the, the um, emuna means, emuna means that, yes, we're, intent, we're intended to make our own decisions in life. Um, but at the end of the day, a person has to allow the space for, to, for emuna to work. A person, has to, a person has to say that I do what I can, but he has to know when it's time to let go sh- and let God shut that off, right? Shut that off, and and if it's superficial, it's going to be superficial, you know. Because you see, unfortunately, we all know what it's like to be superficial in these areas, right? And you can get yourself to say the right words and the right things, and you can even pray a lot and whatever. But it's it's nothing's going to happen really inside of you until it happens, until you really really feel that feeling of just letting go, of just like. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, of like the Bnei Yisrael Ekriyat Yamsuf. That's like the thought from this book that you gave me from Moshe Weinberger. It's, that's like what I was sharing at the Seder, just that matzah feeling. It's like that, like letting go of the the fluff, chametz-like aspect mm-hmm. and kind of just letting go and just being with what is. Yeah, it's a humility. It is a humility. Mm-hmm. All right. Toive. And that's a wrap, my friends. We hope that our conversation inspired you and gave you something to chew on. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, topics you'd be interested in discussing, and even triggers so we can generate more relevant and meaningful conversation. You can contact us at fdhp.feedback at gmail.com. And we are wishing you a blessed week, and we'll catch you next time.